Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Wonderful, good. It's good to see y'all. Good to be with y'all. Got a nice day. It's uh, first week of Advent. Uh, we'll hear about that as the service progresses, and uh, it's just an exciting time of the year. It's nice to be together and just uh, praise God together here at the Word through this time. So uh, we got Matt preaching today, um, so we'll pray for him and clarity of thought and just a, a great morning for us as we hear the Word and praise God. So if you want, we'll stand and we'll get started. Father, we love you. We're here for you uh, in this season as we uh, reflect more than the rest of the year. Um, just pray for us and our, our minds and hearts to not be distracted by all the other stuff going on that uh, we remember at the core, the, the everything we're doing, the reason for everything is for you and the hope we have. Um, so as we celebrate this season of expectation and uh, just all that it means to us and the world, um, we just lift you up in this time. We pray for the body here that uh, as we're together, we grow closer to you today, that it's just a good day for your kingdom, a great day. Uh, we pray for Matt and the word you put on him, uh, just for clarity of thought as he preaches, for our ears to hear what you're saying through him. And uh, we pray for the Moors as they're on a, a trip to see family for the holiday. Uh, we pray for safe travel for them and a, a good rest. And we just lift this time up to you, God. We love you, we praise you, and we're here for you. Amen. Look what God has done, he redeemed us with his blood, we were lost and dead in sin, he came for us. Look what God has done, he adopted us in love, we were orphans without hope, now his children.
second. This week is the first week of Advent. Advent is a season in the church calendar when we observe a time of expectation on the arrival of Christ's birth. The word Advent comes from the Latin meaning arriving. Traditionally during Advent, we reflect on some of the attributes of faith in Jesus. Peace, love, faith, and hope. This week is hope. Tamar, you can also say Tamar. Tamar is the first woman mentioned in the genealogy in Matthew. And hers is a beautiful story about hope. Or more accurately, desperation born of shattered hope, Genesis 38. She was the daughter-in-law of Judah, married in turn to his oldest two sons, both of whom were evil men who died under God's judgment. Judah then promised to give Tamar to his youngest son once he came of age a promise he never intended to keep, hoping instead that Tamar would just go away and die a widow's death. Taking matters into her own hands, she wound up bearing two sons, one of which would become an ancestor of Jesus. Tamar's story was one of hopelessness, trial, disappointment, loss, broken promises, and betrayal. In the midst of it all, however, God was still at work. A baby was born of Tamar, a baby who would be in the very lineage of Christ, 
the coming Messiah. And just as Tamar herself would be, Tamar was a complicated person with a messy life whose presence in the lineage of Jesus shows precisely the kind of people that Jesus came to save. In a place of desperate acts and broken hopes, the coming Messiah would bring real hope into the world. It shows us that God doesn't need us to fulfill his purposes, but rather he chooses to invite us into his story despite our imperfections.
child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom brings. Amen. You may be seated. Kids are dismissed. Good morning. So let me ask you, where were you when? Every generation has it, a where were you when question about some cultural seismic event. Maybe it was Neil Armstrong when he landed on the moon. Or where were you when JFK or Martin Luther King had been shot and killed? Where were you when you heard about Columbine? Where were you on 9-11? Some of those examples might predate some of us, but we all have a new one that we can talk about. Where were you when the world shut down? Moments like these are big. They change things. There's no going back. Culture shifts. Our lives are never the same. Unfortunately, many of these tend to be negative events catastrophes or tragedies, they strike with no warning and introduce a new sense of uncertainty into, into our lives. How many of you have heard the word doom scrolling? It's a scrolling through your newsfeed on social media on your phone, just thumbing through the headlines. We've probably all done it, and hopefully we've all caught ourselves and learned to limit doom scrolling before bed. It's enough to sink anyone into depression, am I right? Now, I'm not trying to bring us down this morning, but quite the opposite. But this is the reality we've all been living in for quite some time. You see, we need Christmas. We need the hope of Christmas. We need Christ. It's a good thing we've made it here to Advent, nearly to Christmas. This is a season of hope. You see, Advent is all about hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is traditionally a time of expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. Advent is, just, is not just an extension of Christmas. It is a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in the celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in a hopeful and in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. During Advent, we wait for both. It is an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. You see, far too often, 
our Christmases have become frenzied with overwhelmingly busyness. We pack our schedules with so many seasonal happenings. Our stores start pushing Christmas decor and merchandise and fueling our gift-buying frenzy in September. Our season of peace is quickly overloaded as a season of stress. But Advent is an opportunity to set all that aside. Advent is a time to prepare our hearts and to help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own. The story of God's redeeming love for the world. It's not a season of pretending to be happy or covering up the pain and hardships we have experienced during the past year or continue to experience. It is a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son into the world to be Emmanuel, God with us. It is a season of expectation and preparation, an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence more than just the hectic season of presence. So wherever you are on your level of anxiety or uncertainty this morning, wherever you are on your own spiritual journey, I invite you into the season of Advent. I'd like to even suggest that in the craziness and uncertainty, we have been given a gift. We've been given the opportunity to rediscover Christmas. And today, we're going to rediscover that hope of Christmas, even when we are surrounded by uncertainty. We explore this theme of hope this morning. We'll see how it relates to and is exemplified in a couple of biblical characters. But first, let's cover a little background from the time of these people and what they were going through. We think that we have it bad today, but you know, so did Israel back in the days of the Bible. And they could have make a pretty good case during the time of Jesus when they, like much of the world, were a defeated nation under the thumb of the Roman Empire. It was a harsh day to live in, a time of conquest and brutality. It had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the calling out of God's people. It had been thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like the Babylonians and the Assyrians, and then the massive empires of the Greeks and the Romans. It had been generations and generations since the formation of God's covenant with humanity, promising a Messiah to make things right, to bless humans and restore all that we humans had messed up since God's perfect creation. You see, the fulfillment of God's covenant and the coming of the Messiah who would come to make sure everything right wasn't just a happy idea that drifted in and out of the Israelites' consciousness and culture. It was their deepest hope that sustained them and encouraged them and spurred them on, especially through thousands of years of uncertain waiting. They clung to God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But hear the cry of the ancient Israelites when they say, How long, O God? How long? And how long can hope survive? Especially under the world-changing forces of the Greek and Roman empires. Were there even embers of hope left smoldering? As we see in Luke's biblical account, 
The answer is yes. A little bit of a spoiler alert. Jesus, the Messiah, is born on the first Christmas. And I know it's no surprise, but I tell you this because I'm going to pick up in an unusual place of Luke's narrative. Most of the time we end our Christmas story narrative with Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the stable. The shepherds come and visit and go back to their flocks in the field. Sure, we sneak the Magi into the nativity. It's more convenient to get everybody together for one last group number in the Christmas pageant. We all sing Silent Night and roll the credits. And okay, Luke's Christmas narrative does end the night of Jesus' birth with the shepherd's departure, not the three kings. But the next ongoing scene in Luke's story comes right after it. And I'd like for us to look a little more closely today at that scene, and specifically the characters Simeon and Anna. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 22. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the days of their purification according to the laws of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him, what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. And that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, Simeon and Anna were sparks of hope in Israel. 
More than that, they were torches of hope, expecting God to come through and do what he had promised. They believed this. They were waiting for this. Both Simeon and Anna are likewise elders in the story. They have both lived long lives. They have been seen and they have seen and experienced many things. Both hardships for their people and pain in their own lives. We know Anna specifically has been a widow for decades, a position of low status in her culture. But we know both but we know both Simeon and Anna have remained faithful and devoted to God. They are ready to see God act and do great things. Did you notice in Luke's account that neither Simeon nor Anna seemed the least bit surprised or uncertain about the fact that this baby, Jesus, is the long-promised Messiah? Almost everywhere else in the Christmas story so far that has taken place, a little convincing about the whole argument had to be there. Granted, many of the others had an angel appear to them with a heavenly announcement, and it caught them off guard. It not, if not made them completely terrified at first. Maybe God knew Simeon and Anna might just have heart attacks on the spot if the angel appeared to them. But I think it's more than that. I think God didn't need an angel to get his message to these two faith giants. They were ready. They were tuned in. They were waiting, watching, listening, expecting. They were filled with hope, and that hope made them ready. Day after day, year after year, Simeon and Anna had served God faithfully, inspired and fueled by hope that God was at work, even though they couldn't see it. Even they were some surrounded by hardships. Even as time passed and they grew older and older, Simeon and Anna held on to hope. And they fostered new and renewed hope as they set their focus on God, worshiping him, serving him, serving others, and taking one step faithfully at a time as they waited. Of course God came, they might have said. This is what he said he would do. The Messiah is here. And they rejoiced and celebrated and infused new hope into the people that were around them, including Mary and Joseph, who were still trying to figure out what it meant to be earthly parents to the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah. Simeon and Anna reveal several things about hope and its power that, can take, that we can take away and apply to our lives, which brings us to our first point this morning, is hope sees beyond hope sees beyond hope is the fuel of faith and dreams and possibilities hope is that whisper of maybe just maybe it's the spark in the cold darkness that catches flame it's the flicker of first light in the new morning no matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems and struggles you're facing right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you are in, let me encourage you. You are not abandoned. And do not abandon this hope that we have 
hope is still alive even in our deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances. Hope chases away the darkness and uncertainty. Hope is alive because God is with us. Romans 8 is a well-known chapter in the Bible, but there's a section of it that often gets overlooked. In this chapter, Paul starts off clarifying that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He then explains our relationship as God's children and what it looks like to live by God's Spirit. Then he shifts our future when God will fulfill his work in us and restore all of creation. And here in verses 24 through 26, he says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Let me reread part of that again. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? You see, hope exists before reality comes to pass. You can hope with all your heart that in my pants pocket this morning, I have a $100 bill that I am ready to give out to somebody on the spot this morning. You can think about it. You can expect it. You can tell yourself to keep believing that this is going to happen this morning. You can hope that you will be $100 richer walking out of this building this morning after service. But as soon as I give you that $100 bill, hope is done. There is no need for it. You can't keep hoping it will happen because it already has. But hope precedes our present reality. Hope, by its very nature, exists in the uncertainty before. It exists in questions, in doubts even, in that unclear sense of what is to come. But hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us. Now, I included the beginning of verse 26 in our Romans reading because I think it's vitally important. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because that leads us into our second point. God is with us here, now, and always. God is with us here, now, and always. With God, there is no uncertainty. God knows your pain and challenges and struggles. He was not surprised when you or your loved one received the dreaded diagnosis or the call in the middle of the night or heard those words that broke your heart or shattered your world or left you in confusion or uncertainty. He sees you and he is here. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And this hope he delivers, this hope he embodied and fulfilled and brought into this world so long ago, this hope that he offers today, this is not a hope he dangles before us, taunting us with je that's just out of reach. 
It is not a hope he demands us to conquer, conjure as we struggle in our life's worst moments to achieve. No, this is a hope that he infuses within us. It is a hope filled and fanned within us by God's spirit, even in our weaknesses. Even in our grim circumstances and deepest pain, when the faintest gleam of hope seems too far away or so impossible. When we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp slip, lip, slipping on even the ability to try to hope. His spirit is with us. His spirit helps us to restore hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness and promises. His spirit leads us into God's word and its reminder of all God has done for us and all he has promised to do. Our God, our Emmanuel who is with us, has promised his people throughout history and us today messages of hope, including this one from Isaiah 43. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. You will walk through the fire. You will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Do you feel the hope leaping from those words? We are not alone even at our loneliest and darkest moments. Christ has come. Our God is with us every step of the way. And thirdly, hope inspires us to carry on. Hope inspires us to carry on. The Apostle Paul described the cycle of hope like this in Romans chapter 5. He explains that because of Jesus, we boast in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering pers produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope from God's Spirit does not put us to shame. It will not let us down. It will not disappoint us. Instead, it gives us new and growing strength to see beyond the pain and confusion in front of us. This empowering hope reminds me of a story about a guy named Captain Tom. In all the doom and gloom, Captain Tom rose as a hero, and an unlikely hero at that. Tom Moore, now Captain Sir Tom Moore, since he was knighted by the Queen of England. He was a hundred-year-old man who single-handedly raised 40 million dollars for the British healthcare system by walking a hundred laps around his garden. That's right, a hundred laps for a hundred years. What started out as a challenge from his son-in-law to donate a dollar per lap 
went viral when his daughter posted it to the campaign on an online charity site. The news spread quickly, and suddenly this World War II veteran, gripping his walker, wearing a navy blue blazer decorated with military medals, walking around his garden, became a national hero. Captain Tom was an inspiration. And what a story at that. But you see, there's a great lesson about hope in this story. Listen to what Captain Tom told the reporters. He said, the first step was the hardest. After that, I got into the swing of it and kept on going. The first step was the hardest. Isn't that true of so many things for us? Isn't that true of hope? It can be so hard to lift our downcast, tear-filled eyes to look for that tiny spark of hope when we feel swallowed by our pain. It can seem so difficult to reach beyond our troubles to grasp our Lord's outstretched hand. It can feel so impossible to take that first step towards hope when we are weighted down by our burdens. But when we receive the promise of hope in God's word, we find new strength. When we accept the power of hope granted to us in God's spirit, we find new inspiration. When we focus on the power of hope embodied in the birth and life and death and resurrection and return and eternity of Jesus, we discover new strength to take that first step and to keep on stepping and walking and maybe even running one step at a time. Hope inspires us. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope and keeps us going no matter what. My question this morning is what is your next step of hope today? What is your next step of hope in this Advent of season? So often we as humans want to see what happens tomorrow. We want to know the future. We want to skip to the end of the story. You see, our lives just don't work like that. It's not a privilege we've been granted. But in Christ, we have been given the end of the ultimate story. In Christ, we have been given true life that transcends the pains of earth and the brokenness of our present world. In this Advent season, we can find hope in the arrival and life of Jesus. We can draw hope from God's faithfulness in fulfilling his long-awaited promise of the Messiah. We can focus on hope of God's continued work in and all around us that will one day take away even the need for hope as we realize the reality of God's full restoration. And in the midst of whatever life is throwing at us, we can experience the hope 
of God's Spirit within us, carrying us, strengthening us, emboldening us, and giving us the strength to take the next step before us. As we start to close this morning, I ask that you, uh, if you have your communion cups, that you start getting those ready. This morning, as we prepare our hearts, as we get ready to continue this adventure through the Advent season, I hope that we can discover the strength to keep on stepping, to keep on walking, and maybe even running, because hope inspires us. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope and keeps us going no matter what. My invitation this morning is that you take a step towards hope this Advent season, because hope is dawning. Christ is coming. He is returning again. And let us welcome him into our hearts and lives every day in this season of expected of expectation and hope. Romans 15:13 says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope." By the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we prepare our hearts this morning to partake in communion, I ask that you just help us to focus on hope. What hope is all about during this season. The hope that we need to rediscover. The hope that we need to have during this Christmas season. Lord, I just pray that you help us to take that first step, to keep on going. Help us to realize what that step of hope we need to take is in our life. Lord, as we take some time this morning to think about the great sacrifice, to think about your son who came into this world on that first Christmas. And the change of history that took place. We think about the where were you questions. We think about hope. We think about the pain and suffering. And the hope that we can have because of the examples that we see through the Bible. Lord, I just ask that you continue to be with us and direct us and guide us in our lives and help us to focus on you every day of our lives. It's in your son's name we pray.
we could be together and we could hear your word. May we go from this place, we put you first in everything, show you to everyone we can. And just keep in the heart of everything going on around us, the reasons for this season, the why we celebrate, why we're here, God. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you so much. Amen. All right, uh, there are the Advent books out in the foyer, so make sure to get one. Uh, Leonard made another Advent uh, study for us, so make sure to pick one of those up on your way out, and you can kind of follow along. You'll read about Tamar tomorrow and go on from there. See you next week.